0: Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast about living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time, I'm so glad you're here. Send me a little note on our Happy Healthy You Facebook page and tell me how you found out about us. I'm just curious where you're from, how your life is, what you're doing today as you're listening to the podcast. It it, it fascinates me, actually, (laughs) like how people find us and... Um, what they're interested in and all that stuff. So yeah, let drop me a little note. Um, I'm Connie Bowman. Did I say that? I'm the host. I've been doing this for about four, maybe five years coming up. Um, Maybe four and a half. I don't even know. (laughs) It's such a labor of love. I'm just in the flow when I'm doing it. So I don't even keep track of time. So it's a good thing. How is your summer going? I hope it's going well. Summer is such a magical time of year. It's a beautiful time to get out and then enjoy nature, right? I just got back from a, a river cruise on the Danube in Europe. And so we were cruising through Europe. Um, and a river cruise is a beautiful way to enjoy nature because you're on a ship, but it's a smaller ship. And so you can kind of see the the shore from either side of the ship and you can see the countryside pass by and then we stopped at different um, cities and towns and enjoyed uh, european food and um, it was a really small ship so we got to meet a lot of people and i'll give you a little um exciting tidbit jane polly and her husband gary trudeau were the celebrities they were on our cruise ship and um I was kind of shy. I didn't want to go up and talk to her because I know, you know, I don't know. She she was with her family, so. but my sister-in-law talked to her, and um, she said she was very sweet, very kind, and just wanted to have a good time with her family. So I didn't bug her, but I was sitting in at the table next to her, so I was sort of stalking her a little bit, just kind of quietly and unobtrusively. So that's my fun story about my cruise ship. Um, highly recommend those uh, river cruises. So check them out. And uh, let's see, the other thing about this summer is that um, I am on a quest to find out more about uh, Lyme disease, which is the subject of this podcast. So um, we're going to have a good conversation with an expert about treating, diagnosing, finding uh, good care for yourself if you happen to find yourself with Lyme disease, uh, which is a problem in the summertime, right? Those little pesky pesky ticks come out and we have to deal with them. My husband actually went camping with my brother-in-law and he came back and had several deer ticks on him. So I quickly called the doctor and got him on that prophylactic doxycycline. Um, and then a couple weeks later, I was out weeding my garden, and I found a little tick and uh, also did the same thing. So they're out there. It's, uh, it's fun to go out in nature, but um, you have to protect yourself, which reminds me, before we get started... Uh, I want to encourage you to also protect your eyes. Uh, Our sponsor is Blue Planet Eyewear. They are an awesome company. They give back to people who cannot afford eyewear all over the world through organizations like Sea International and several others. Um, They make really cute readers and um, sunglasses, And so if you go to their website, blueplaneteyewear.com, and you use the code CONNIE20, you get a special Happy Healthy You 20% discount. So check them out. And if you find something you like, don't forget to use the discount because it's a nice little uh, discount and you will be helping other people. You'll give back. So I always like that. It's like a twofer when you can shop and give back. Um so also I wanted to give a little shout out to my awesome niece and nephew Keegan and Joey have started a business in Massachusetts where they have a problem with ticks and mosquitoes a pretty bad problem um they've they've started this business and they're doing really well because there's such a uh, a lot of uh, ticks and mosquitoes up there. Um, it's called Mosquito Squad. So they, they go out to houses and businesses and they spray for mosquitoes and ticks and they have all natural, uh, products. They were telling me they use something. I think it's got rosemary and lavender or something. Anyway, you can check them out. Shout out to Keegan and Joey because I love them. They're awesome and I'm so excited for them starting this business. And now I want to bring in my expert to talk about what we can do as, um, to protect ourselves uh, during the summer months and probably into the fall, um, about these little pesky ticks. So I'm going to bring in Debbie Ulrich. She is a professional energy kinesiologist. She provides holistic healing services. She specializes in learning challenges, pain reduction, stress management, stress reduction, emotional. Issues, illnesses, and improving one's sense of well-being and quality of life. So she is right, right alongside us here at Happy Healthy You. She, uh, her mission is really to improve the quality of our lives with non-invasive, complementary, and alternative therapies to create harmony in mind, body, and spirit. I love it, and she is certified in energy kinesiology. She's a certified National Health natural health professional, certified sports nutritionist, and a certified sport fitness trainer. And she is an expert in Lyme. So I'm happy to have you here, Debbie. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. I know it was a long winded intro (laughs) on my part, but I had to get in all my all my shout outs. How are you? I'm
1: great. How are you? I'm good. How's
0: your summer going?
1: It's going by quickly, but I'm enjoying it.
0: Yeah. So, um, I I found a tick and I I get all I get really um, nervous about finding a little deer tick. So I I, how did I do like when my when I found my husband's he had a few actually Um, he slept in a tent in the woods and uh, came back with a few like hiding underneath like right where his um, belt was and mine was right under my shirt near my armpit. So how did I do going calling the doctor right away?
1: Well, I have some concerns about that because they probably put you on doxycycline and your husband. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, just one dose, one okay. big dose, right?
1: And that's the typical um, protocol to and protocol mm-hmm. for the doctors. However, the issue with the doxycycline, there's there's several issues actually. One is um, it is believed in both the alternative and the traditional health field, and when I say traditional, I'm talking about Lyme literate doctors, gotcha. that the antibiotics actually drive the Lyme disease deeper into the body. Oh, great. So <laughs> great. So that's not the ideal. And um, many medical doctors are starting to come around and believe that the best combination is Antibiotics and a combination of herbs. I'm going to kind of dispute that a little bit as we get more into our conversation. Okay. Um, However, um, the doxycycline is an antibacterial. Technically, Lyme is called Borrelia and that is a bacteria. However, there are 60 other possible infections that come with Lyme and they're not all bacterial. So, therefore, the doxycycline is not even going to come close to addressing those other infections that might've been implanted in the body with the bite of that singular tick or okay. multiple ticks in that okay. case of your husband.
0: Well, let's start at the beginning, I okay. guess. Do you have any idea what are the chances of a tick actually carrying the Lyme um, parasite? What did you say it was, a parasite? It's called,
1: no, it's bacteria, bacteria called, called the Lyme. Borrelia.
0: B-O-R, so if we want to Google it. B O R B O R R E I
1: um, B-O-R, L A. Okay.
0: okay, two R's, one L. Right. Just want to make sure. Okay, go ahead. There
1: are many strains of Borrelia. Okay. Um, when it comes to testing for Borrelia, the tests are very inadequate and inaccurate to the point that in... Virginia, we're talking specifically to the United States. In Virginia, there was a law passed in two, spring of 2016 that says that when a doctor prescribes a Lyme test to a patient, they have to sign a form which basically states that the tests are so inaccurate that a negative results could actually be a false negative mm-hmm. and they may still mm-hmm. have Lyme. Consequently, that um, in Maryland, the following month, that same law was passed. And the last I heard, we're now in 2018 in July, and there that bill is in front of whoever the whoever's in uh, the state of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with what other states are dealing with this law, but I think that says a lot. And the Lyme community has worked a lot to have that that little piece of paper put in front of the patient because the belief has been, or I should say the misbelief has been that when you get a negative test on Lyme, that that's the end of the story. You don't Mm -hmm. have Lyme when in fact, that could be the very beginning of a long journey for somebody who's not getting immediate answers, but is continually going downhill with their health.
0: Yeah. And so if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you have known people or many people, I, I can count. Several people that have had negative results and have gone on to have really symptomatic Lyme disease. So let's talk. Let's go back again. Uh, Lyme started in Lyme, Connecticut, right? Um, Correct. Where it was discovered. Um, you, do, do you know the history there? It,
1: there are so many
0: theories about how that happened. Some of them are really bizarre. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I I don't even like to really discuss that because, in my opinion. It doesn't really matter because mm. it doesn't help address the issue to know how it got there, especially with all the But it's named after Lyme. This, it is this, lame, the named the after the town of Lyme in Connecticut, right, right, and it right. was discovered in, I believe, 1974, if my right. got my facts correct. And
0: so uh, the ticks that that my husband and I, for example, found, they were deer ticks. So uh, what are the odds that they would have been carrying this Borrella? Burilla, burilla, um, Borrelia, Borrelia, Borrelia. Well, bacteria.
1: For, first of all, we need to we need to talk about some of the myths around Lyme. Okay. And one of the ones is that only deer ticks can carry Lyme, and that's very inaccurate. Okay, any tick can carry Lyme.
0: Great. Any
1: insect that can bite you can carry Lyme because it's the chain of life. Spiders eat ticks so it makes sense that spiders have lime and then something's going to eat the spiders and you know on and on and mm-hmm. on so it's very common for example for mice and rats and different kinds of rodents to carry lime
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know so on so it it's once you you get bit by anything a uh, spider mosquito a tick you risk the possibility of being infected with any of these tick-borne diseases uh, and that's the unfortunate truth to this. And I'm certainly not trying to create any kind of panic. Or, but um, we have to talk about some of these myths so that we can bust through them and look at this health issue, which I think is becoming a crisis in some areas, mm-hmm. and address them. So anything can potentially give you um, the Borrelia And as I mentioned earlier, there are 60, and I want everybody to make sure they're hearing me correctly. That is six zero other infections, Mm -hmm. which are referred to as co-infections, that can be um, put into the host, which would be the person being um, bitten. And when somebody's treated for Lyme, they have to be treated for all of the... Um, infections that have been put in them, because if that doesn't occur, what happens is they they end up with a lifetime worth of health issues that are not being resolved, and they may be these, you know, random things like I get random pain or aches in my arms or my joints or, you know, here and there, or, you know, a number of things. the The joint pain is what I hear most is not addressed, on a long-term basis, and then that ultimately ends up being diagnosed incorrectly as something like arthritis mm-hmm. or...
0: Oh, let me just, di- let me just uh, interrupt for a second. Uh, my son, this is a long time ago, 10 years ago, I guess he was 15 or 16, had joint pain he, that moved from his elbow to his groin to his knee, ended up in his jaw, had his wisdom teeth pulled. And then it just didn't stop. And so I went, took him to his pediatrician, and I said, I think he might have Lyme. And he poo-pooed it. He was like, no way, lady, he doesn't have Lyme. You know, he's got, he, he was an athlete. He's a wrestler, so he was active. And um, so it took me a while to convince him just to give him the test. Fortunately, he tested positive. So that was good, right? So, it, it is good I, because
1: yeah. we're, we're back to the... The misbeliefs and and I can't tell you how much misinformation is repeated in my office that that has been passed on to mm-hmm. patients from their doctors. For example, I had one um, person tell me that their doctor told them there is no such thing as chronic Lyme. Well, that's ridiculous. Anybody who's had Lyme knows that that is mm-hmm. not correct that it can be ongoing and long-term until I'm itching as we're, yeah, talking, as we're talking about, about this. About like, it, uh, if you're not treated correctly and you're not treated for all the infections, it's going to become chronic and it's mm-hmm. going to be a long-term uh, journey and health issue. So, um, you know, a couple things to think about is you have to, you have to work with a Lyme literate doctor because otherwise they're going to rely on the traditional tests, which are inaccurate and, um, I'm going to quote some things from the CDC website, which in America is, by some doctors, is considered the gospel. Mm-hmm. And the, the Lyme literate doctors realize how inaccurate that is. So what what that is, is, um, and anyone, feel free to go on the CDC website and, and look at this. Um, if you, you have to test positive for three out of five spe- um, strains of Borrelia... Now, I want to be clear because I don't have the the strains in front of me, but the CDC lists which strains you have to test to be positive of. So, and then, or they give you an option, you can test five out of 10 and they list the 10 possibilities. But what's inaccurate about that is since that guideline was created multiple years ago, there are other known strains of Borrelia that are known to be Lyme-affiliated. So the the whole testing is, is inaccurate, and there are, unfortunately, some doctors who still rely on that CDC guideline and follow that to the T, and they miss the point that it, it was intended as a guideline, literally mm-hmm. a guideline, not a factual piece of information that they were supposed to uh, rely on. Um, and that has created a lot of issues because if you didn't fall within those parameters, then the doctor would tell you, you don't have Lyme when in fact, you may very well have Lyme. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, so, so one of the questions that, um, somebody posted, uh, today, um, Joanna, thank you, Joanna, uh, was how do you find a doctor, who knows about Lyme, who is a <clears throat> who is liter- Lyme literate, and what are some of the questions we can ask to find out if they actually are? Um...
1: First of all, if you're working with a Lyme literate doctor, they are going to kind of be off by themselves. They're not going to be affiliated with any kind of medical group. When you start working with Lyme literate doctors, they're not going to take insurance. So you're going to have to really Why do is some... That? Because the insurance companies dictate who and what the doctors can treat for, how long they can spend with a patient for any given um, office visit, and what they will pay for and what they won't pay for. So, um, for example, and I'm I'm making this up, if if a traditional um, checkup, regular checkup visit is 30 minutes and the doctor spends an hour and a half with you, the doctor's only going to get paid for that 30 minutes right. through the insurance company. Hmm. Um, so, uh, and there's more things that, you know, the, the, unfortunately the insurance companies really regulate what the doctors can and can't do and their hands are tied. So when somebody starts to become more and more invested in helping people with Lyme, they realize that they've got to move away from that so Mm -hmm. that their hands aren't tied and they can spend an hour with the patient, um, Re- request tests, you know, that they realize are more accurate that, again, are not going to be covered by insurance. Um, so anyway, I think we're getting off track, but I just want to kind of throw that out there that you're it, you're going to be tough to find a doctor within a medical group who's going to be considered Lyme literate. Now, having said that, you can go to uh, the Lyme literate groups that um, or Lyme support groups, I meant to say, and Kind of talk to them because if you if you have nowhere to go, that's a source because they're going to know who the Lyme literate doctors are in the area that you're in. Okay. Um, and that was
0: another question. That's good. I'm glad you mentioned the support groups because um, Joanna also wanted to know, how do you find a support group? Um, Google. You have to let's Google, Google it. it. Let's and try
1: it. And there's, you know, yeah, we're Googling it. Oh, that's right. We're not live. I keep forgetting. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know the names
0: of them, Connie. So, um, so here's one. The first thing I open up it says Lyme Disease State Support Groups. Yep, yeah, that would so be so join with others in your own state. So, so they direct you to your particular state. So let's go to to our state for example, and um, we've got Maryland Lyme .dot org. Um, yeah, that's it. Lyme Disease .dot org is the one I'm thinking of, and then there's a second one. And so there are several groups here. Um, So, yeah, I think you just start your search, and then you find your support group.
1: Yes, and and the doctors, I doubt they're going to be listed on the website, but you need to start a conversation with somebody uh, within that organization and find out who they recommend because people who deal with Lyme very quickly know who to go to and who to not go to. Good. Good. Um, so, I think some of the questions to get back to your question that you might want to ask is: um, Is Lyme only um, transferred from deer ticks? And if they tell you yes, then you need to leave.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, if also ask um, how many other infections can accompany Lyme disease. Because I've already told you multiple times that the number is at least 60.
0: So you're giving them a little test.
1: Yeah. they are not going to like that. <laughs> no, but they don't know. You don't have to say, oh, well, somebody told me it was 60 or somebody okay. told me it was this or that. So but find
0: out what they know. To and find maybe... out
1: what they know, because if they are giving you information that's different from what I am giving you, then they're not the right doctor for you, unfortunately. Okay. okay. And I would also ask them what their approach is for uh, treating Lyme. Um, you know, because I know people who have been treated for Lyme and they've been on antibiotics for anywhere from two to five years. And when you're on antibiotics that long, the theory is to keep rotating the the antibiotic. And by that, I mean you keep switching it to a different one. Mm -hmm. And the theory is that you're tricking the Lyme and you're continuing to kill it. But my issue with that is, Um, there's a couple issues. Antibiotics can really play havoc with the gut. And the gut, I mean your digestive system. And antibiotics, when you're using them for that length of time, my concern is the long-term health of the digestive system. The other thing is um, antibiotics require a delivery system, which is your blood supply system. Now, I need to talk about that a little bit so you understand what I'm trying to say. When you eat any kind of pill, whether it be herbal or antibiotic, um, it's going to be delivered where you have a blood supply. That means that it, that product is not going to get into places where there is no blood supply. And where is that? That's your bones, that's your muscle, that's your brain. Your brain has very limited blood supply. Um, and the lime is very smart. It will bore its way into those areas. That's how it survives. And by boring its way in there, it can live there for as long as the longest I'm aware of it's been tracked is nine months. So if if we know it's there for nine months, my question is how long, how much longer beyond that can it exist in that uh, environment? And then at some point it decides to come up and come out rather and make itself Known and present, and, and by that I mean it becomes alive and active, and then you have all these symptoms. So you have to take something that can go beyond the blood delivery system. And we may be jumping ahead here, but I, okay. have, I have been re, re, this year. I have started making custom blended liposomes, and the, the the beauty of the liposomes is it does not require a blood supply system to deliver the product. It it's in a base of fat. And the fat is lecithin typically and lecithin, I want to put it out there that it's not going to cause you to gain weight because that's the first thing people are going to think of. But these different germs that are put into the body by the ticks like fat. So what they do is they latch onto the fat and they then carry that off into these places where they hide, your joints being another one I just thought of. Um, And then this the, there's a bio layer of the, um, uh, lecithin and then the, the herbs and or essential oils that are used to, um, kill these different infections are inside and it starts to break open and then it destroys all these different germs. And all I can say is I'm having tremendous results with that type of treatment.
0: Okay. Well, can you go back and tell us what is a liposome?
1: <laughs> a liposome is a, uh, like a sphere, and the outer layer of the sphere is the fat, which is the lecithin, and inside of that sphere is the herbs and or the essential oils that have been put in the product to um, specifically target the different infections that the person is dealing with. Okay.
0: Okay, so you're creating these um, more natural based um, alternatives to antibiotics. That
1: yes, and that was something I started doing after I worked with a number of just herbals and homeopathics, and and liquids, and found that I wasn't getting the. I was getting results, but there was a but, and the liposomes have eliminated the but. So I'm getting much deeper results okay. with the liposomes, and and I'm my, my clientele that are taking this are having better results and exp- are expressing
0: that. Hmm. Interesting, cool. Um, so let's talk about your story because you you have your own Lyme story, and maybe you can go into more of the symptoms because I've heard um, people describe symptoms in so many different. Um, they just have, it, they've been affected in so many different ways that I'm shocked. Like one woman um, was near, on her deathbed, almost uh, in a hospital. She they thought she'd had a stroke, and once they started treating her for Lyme, miraculously she she came back. But they again were, you know. Very hesitant to treat her for Lyme because they just wanted to rule out everything else before they did that, and it seems like such a shame to waste the time yeah when when that's um anyway, so and that's very common yeah it's very so many people have such long, really horrific stories about their experience with Lyme so let's go let's go into your story and some some of the symptoms
1: okay um. I like to say I'm coming out of the closet by admitting that I have Lyme. And the only reason I've really kind of not discussed this is because um, I feel like sometimes people can be very judgmental and sometimes people think the healer shouldn't be sick. Mm. So... I didn't want to let people know Not how me. much I was dealing with. Well, <laughs> Not thank me. You. I
0: think the wounded healers are actually the best healers. I, I think it has yeah.
1: enabled me to relate to people mm-hmm. on a level I would never have been yeah. able to otherwise. So um, just to kind of give the Reader's Digest version, I was in a, a car accident December of 2017 where I suffered multiple injuries to the point where I had to close up my existing business for a year. And... Um, one of the injuries I had was muscular skeletal and spinal injuries. Nothing was broken, but that ended up giving me severe pain to the point where I was very dysfunctional. Um, and I had memory loss, short-term um, memory loss too, as well as long-term. And I had trouble recalling words and events and you know, different things of that nature. So through my journey to try to heal from this accident, I was in front of a doctor two or three years after the accident. And he said to me, I think you may have Lyme disease. And we did the traditional testing. And of course, everything was negative. And this doctor was in Washington, D.C. And this was back in probably... The year is important because I'm going to make a point here. It was like probably 2009 or 10, perhaps. And he said, I cannot treat you for Lyme unless you test positive. Now, that's important for people to understand because that says a lot about where we're at with our medical community. And even though he suspected it, he couldn't treat me. Now, that has since changed in many states. Um, Now, there's been laws passed that if you think that the patient has Lyme, you can treat them for it. But anyway, yeah. Well, um, that's what happened to me.
0: I just went to the doctor, and they gave me well the- because
1: you you saw the tick. Right. Usually, if you see a tick, that's enough. But if you just walk in and say, "Here's the symptoms. I think I may have Lyme." They have to test, and, yeah. and you don't you don't have any memory of a tick. That's when all these things start to sure. happen, where they sure. they don't believe you, and then they start diagnosing and testing and coming up with all these theories that, well, maybe you have. You know, this disease or that disease. And there's a lot of diseases out there that are actually misdiagnosed, which are really Lyme. Mm -hmm. A lot of the autoimmune diseases, for example, without naming them specifically. Um, So, anyway, um, the doctor suggested I have Lyme. He started treating me for Lyme. Um, Being a health practitioner myself, I felt like that I could, at one point, kind of take over with the uh, treatment. because you just
0: can't find a well-informed um, doctor out there. Well, let me let me ask. Let me just stop you. When when he started treating you, did you find um, immediate relief or? Soon- I did not. Okay.
1: Which was why I decided to use what I knew um, through my energy work and what limited education I had about herbs, and have really expanded my education by taking courses specific to Lyme and how to make, for example, the liposomes, how to make um, custom-blended suppositories or enemas or,
0: um, you know. So what were the symptoms you were having at that time that um, traditional medicine was not necessarily touching?
1: Extreme fatigue um, to the point where I was almost dysfunctional, lots of pain physical pain um I also want to talk about the emotional piece because Mm -hmm. that's huge but um I want to focus on the physical part too um pain, fatigue, the memory issues that I mentioned, that's what I remember the most. My family might have other thoughts that they Mm, can throw in there.
0: And did you, Debbie, did you ever have the red rash? I mean, one of the classic symptoms of Lyme is that red circular rash, right? A lot of people see that, but it's not in every case. It's
1: not in every case, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean you do or don't have Lyme either, so that's not a... That's not something to look for other than if you have the rash, then you definitely need to get to somebody because that could mean that you have some serious health issues going on, Lyme being one of several.
0: Okay. Um, okay.
1: But the lack of a rash, I don't want anybody to think, oh, there's no rash there. I don't have to worry about it. That That's wrong. So... um emotionally, there's a lot going on with Lyme, just with me and with other people. There's a lot of anger, which can also manifest itself in rage. There's a lot of um, being, uh, sorry, I just thought of some other physical thing I had, which ties in with what I was getting ready to say, Um, overstimulation. Easily overstimulated. So the um, nervous, system so nervous system is affected. So my nervous system mm-hmm. is affected, which okay. is very common. And to the point, just to give the listeners an idea, I have issues when I go into um, even a restaurant, which most people don't even think of as being loud, but it's, it's hard to filter out the voices in the restaurant and focus on the person or persons that I'm with in my party. Mm-hmm. And so all that noise is too overstimulating and then you've got the lights and then you've got all the colors you know depending on how the restaurant is decorated and what color schemes and how bright or it might be or whatever and then you've got all the smells of the food and and all of that is just overstimulating to the point where it would just i call it blow me out and then Hmm. when i'd get home i could not sleep I mean, I'd be up to like 3, 4 in the morning. And um, this is very common. I hear this a lot with my the people that come into my office. Wow. Wow. So, you know, with that comes the lack of sleep, sleep deprivation. And then, you you know, the whole emotional cycle starts. You're angry because sure. you're not well-slept. Um, you're frustrated. You feel overwhelmed easily. Um, you tire easily. Um,
0: so it know, affects the whole person is it, what you're saying. It, it, yes. Yeah, body, mind, and spirit, yeah. So um, we have to have real compassion for people with Lyme disease because it's a it's a real struggle. Um, so you had all of these symptoms and you started treating yourself with some of your um, more uh, alternative integra- inter- integrative uh, remedies. And did you start seeing some relief at that point? I did. And it, it was a long journey. I mean, at one point, At one point, I was
1: getting better, and then in the summer of, I think it was, we're in 2018, I think it was 2013, I was bit um, in three places over the course of 60 days, and um, started to go downhill again, and um, I actually sought the help of a physician who was known to help people with Lyme. And it was, that was an interesting journey. Um, long story short, I, we, we ended our relationship and I still was not well. And that was what really pushed me in the direction of making the liposomes because I was kind of done with
0: doctors and what they could or couldn't do. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I guess what what the bottom line seems to be, even in 2018, after we've been dealing with this really crisis, as you say, for so many years, you still have to be your own advocate. You still have to really fight for yourself and get as much information as you can. I'm just on this uh, .org website, and I'm seeing here that there is um there is a magazine that um, keeps you current with what's going on. It's called the Lyme Times, and you can find that on the LymeDisease.org website. And so you have to really be your own best uh, advocate because if you if you go back and look at some of these magazines uh, from the past seasons, like you can find co-infections. Um, there's a whole database of resources for people with Lyme disease. Uh, there's a physician videos, there's a physician directory. Um, so so you really have to do your own exploration. Um, it sounds like you really have. Yes. Yeah. And
1: I would warn people that when you go on your local Lyme disease um, website, and you see a list of physicians, please don't assume that that is the correct doctor for you. You need to do some research, maybe even ask the questions that I've suggested you ask of those doctors, because there's still, unfortunately, so much controversy and so much um, that the doctors are still struggling to address.
0: So much fake news. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great term. That's a
1: wonderful term.
0: Fake news, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I... I'm really grateful that you've come on to talk about this. I know I didn't want to make you divulge any information, but I do think that when um, you have gone through this, it lends a lot of credibility. And I'm sure when people come to you, they can um, they can have the confidence that you know a lot about what you're talking about because you've experienced so much of this yourself. Um, let's talk about um, some of the other um, things that have been helpful for you in just dealing with the day-to-day um, issues that come um, with with a diagnosis of Lyme? So um, some of the other things maybe um, that have been helpful. I know we we share a massage therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Linda, she's actually been on this podcast. So you get regular massage, yeah. right? Um, what are some of the other things that are helpful for for someone who might be dealing with Lyme, just as an emotional support, um, you know, physical support? Well, I think that some person who has Lyme
1: needs to create their healing team, Mm. and they need to do that with people who are knowledgeable uh, about Lyme. And I would suggest you get a good biological dentist, you get a good chiropractor, Mm. you get um, massage therapy would be really good to help move this stuff out, Um, and if you want to stay connected to a doctor, you just need to make sure that that doctor really has some in-depth knowledge about Lyme and or is open to alternative therapy and is not going to poo-poo or criticize any alternative measures Mm -hmm. that um, you... You pursue. And and as I'm saying that, I'm thinking I I had a client in my office recently and we were laughing because she told me that she told her primary care doctor that she was seeing a chiropractor and the doctor's response was something along the lines of, you know, they can break your back. So there's so much misinformation about what other modalities, whether it's in the medical field or not, can do that, again, you have to work with somebody who's open enough that's going to understand that chiropractic care is not going to break your back like that one Mm doctor um, said. Or, um, you know, another client had... Went to her doctor and said, "You know, it's been suggested that I have chronic Lyme." And the doctor's response was, "There is no such thing as chronic Lyme," and, and that's so incorrect. So, you you have to find a doctor who really um, knows
0: what um, what to look for. Mm. How about a therapist? Some somebody talk to therapy. talk to, talk therapy. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that would definitely be helpful. Yeah. Counselor, priest, anybody just to keep the, because it's stressful and the stress that comes from any chronic illness is, um, you know, can really affect your relationships and, and um, every aspect of your life. So.
1: It, it can. And here's a couple reasons why, and I'm sure some of the listeners can relate to this. It, I find a common um, thread among the people I work with is the other family members do not understand what the person's going through. They just do not get it. And I think part of it's because lack of education about Lyme. And the other is when you look at somebody who has Lyme, usually they look healthy. So there's this misbelief that, oh, you can't possibly be sick when in fact these people are suffering immensely. Um And, you know, so talk therapy could be very beneficial just because then you have somebody you can talk to when your family members may not be supporting you, which is, again, lack of education.
0: Mm, And the support groups.
1: Yeah, and the support Another. groups. And if you want to find the local support groups, you can also. I know here in Maryland that it's at some of the local hospitals. They have uh, meeting rooms where they allow these groups to come in. Mm. So that might be a a place to look. See if your reason. hospitals have the support groups. Um,
0: and if they don't, start one of your start own. Start one
1: of your own. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know. And here's the thing about the support groups. Yes, you're in uh, an area with common people who all share a common thread. However, there are some support groups who are very medically oriented, and then there's some that are not. So you really have to seek out where you feel you fit in, um, because personally, I found that traditional medical therapy just did not work for me, and in most cases in my life, that's been the case. So that this has been no exception. And if you are finding that that's the case for you then you need to seek alternative measures.
0: Mm, Okay, that brought me to another question. Um, Before we close and give all your information, I just wanted to talk about some of the areas where Lyme disease might be more prevalent um, as we are on the East Coast here in Maryland. And we seem to, our our county especially, we have a lot of woods, a lot of deer, um, and... Probably other wildlife that might carry it, but um, are there specific areas that are really hotspots?
1: Hotspots is the magic word. Yes, and it can be states. It can be specific areas. You know, or let me say that again: it can be specific counties within a state, or it can even be a specific road in a county. It's it's very interesting how that happens. Um, I don't want to narrow it down to saying, oh, yeah, it's really hot on the East Coast, but it's not on the West, because here's a story. Um, in 2013, I was in Florida at a, a Lyme convention, and the there was an advocacy group down there who were really trying to push for Lyme education because the... State of Florida did not recognize Lyme as a health issue in the state of Florida. Therefore, mm-hmm. the doctors could not treat for Lyme and uh, you know, let's let's kind of break this down. So, you're telling me that if I move to Florida, I'm going to be miraculously well because I now live in Florida? So, that's one, you know, thing I see wrong with that theory. The other is you know it's very possible that a tick could could get onto a a piece of stick that is caught up in a storm. And, you know, there's always tropical storms here on the, the East Coast mm-hmm. all up and down and gets sure. blown into Florida or any other state. And then it happens to bite someone, and now they're infected with Lyme. So to to across the board say that Lyme is not an issue in any given state is just really um, not good thinking. And and that holds true in any part of the United States or the world because we are a very transient society now. And the other piece, which we haven't broached um is lime, unfortunately, is extremely contagious. And I don't think people recognize how contagious mm, it is. Good point. So to, how do you pass it on? Yeah, very easily, unfortunately, because it can be passed on from body fluids. So what I like to tell my clientele, think about how often to a family member, you may say, here, have a drink of my whatever, or have a lick of my ice cream or taste this. And you're, you're sharing either utensils or glasses or whatever. And that's one way it can get... Passed on, and the other is through any kind of sexual activity. It Mm. can be passed on through bodily fluid. So you know you really have to be careful and think things out before you act. When you, if you think you have Lyme, or if you know for sure you have Lyme, and it's not just the Lyme. It's some of these other infections that come with it that are um, very infectious. And every category can accompany Lyme, and by that I mean. Uh, bacteria, virus, different types of fungi, different types of parasites, um, and of course, inflammation is going to accompany all of that because when right. your body's dealing with all that stuff, then you're going to have inflammation. Right. So, um, that yeah. was a long answer to your question about the hot spots. But <laughs> <laughs>
0: So don't, don't assume you don't have lime just because you might live in the middle of the country or, exactly. or, or whatever. Okay, well, we've given a lot of really dire news, and it's been kind of scary. And, like, I don't want to go outside anymore as much as I love nature. Last year I hiked the Appalachian Trail, and I was thinking about going out again. I'm like, ah! I'm sitting here itching. So, um, how about some good news? How about like some positive uh, results that you're seeing with your clients, or maybe some some good news with legislation? There's got to be something, right? Leave us with something positive. Yes. The good news is there are uh, healthcare
1: practitioners out there who are having really good success in uh, eliminating the Lyme and these um, different co-infections. I believe that I am one of those. I can't really talk about the legislation at this time I mean the Lyme community is really trying to move forward in educating people so um, there are if you want to go hike I suggest you hike and there is a product out on the market called permethrin which is an um, all-natural pesticide and that's spelled p-e-r-m-e-t-h-r-i-n i've seen it online my understanding is it has geranium in it which is a um, tick preventative but you need to read the instructions it's not something you can spray on and go you got to soak your clothes in it the day before so there's a lot of prep you have to do to, to use it but at least it's not full of deet right. or some of these other harmful. now what's the
0: problem with deet my husband swears by it, so just. just
1: well, <laughs> DEET is effective for getting rid of the ticks, but it's also very toxic and it's a neurotoxin. And for those who don't know and understand what that means, it means that it can ultimately and possibly injure your brain. Anything that's a neurotoxin can. So could a
0: tick bite, though, apparently. <laughs> so can a tick bite, yeah. So, so you're, you're added, weighing yes, the, the. Yes. Um, I had another uh, thing to add. My doctor, when I went to have my um, show him my tick bite and get my my prophylactic doxycycline, he said put dryer sheets in your um, in your shoes or in your socks, and the ticks don't like the smell of the dryer sheets. Have you ever heard that? I thought that was interesting.
1: I have not heard that.
0: So I took the dryer sheets and I <laughs> rubbed them all over my arm the next time I went out because I feel like I got a tick sticking my hand in the zucchini that oh, I just uh-huh. grew, my prolific zucchini. So um, yeah, so I rubbed dryer sheets all over my arms. I haven't done it again, but I haven't found another tick either. So
1: <laughs> so you might want to try putting gloves on when you put your hands in the garden. True, Yeah. True.
0: Wearing long sleeves, light colored uh clothes.
1: Light is good because you then you can see the tick. Mm-hmm. Um, I had somebody say, "Well, what do you do if you have dark clothes? Well, it's a little late then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, then you have to... So preventive measures are good. Uh, yes. and, and all these companies that are springing up, like my nieces and nephews that are trying to um, you know naturally deal with the the um, the tick population. I guess that's good too. So why don't we give your information? So I know you give classes uh, every month, so maybe you could talk about those and how people can find you and get more information, work with you.
1: Yeah, that would be great. On the second Monday of every month, I have a workshop about Lyme disease and we talk about um, some of the things we've discussed tonight, but I do get into a little more detail. And it's also um, kind of customized to the group that's there. And the meeting starts at seven and runs anywhere from one to two hours, depending on the interest level of the group. Um, you can look on my website for my address and my the fee, because there's a minimal fee. I think it's $10, but double check that on the website. So it's not a lot of money, especially for the information you're getting. Um, and my website is www.debbies, that's spelled D-E-B-B-I-E-S-N-R-G.com. So really quickly, that sounds like debbiesenergy.com. Oh, yeah, it yeah does. Most people don't get that.
0: <laughs> it <laughs> um, sounded good at the time, yes, right? Yes, it did. <laughs> I thought
1: that was so clever, but nobody gets it. So anyway, now you're ahead of the game because I just shared that little secret with you. So the phone number is 410-868-7407. And, um... I do give 30-minute free consultations because I realize that what I do is not everybody's cup of tea. So that's 30 minutes free where you get to talk with me to find out if I'm a good fit for you. And that can be done in my office or on the phone, whatever you prefer. Um, I do work with people out of state um, and remotely. So that's a conversation we could have if that's your situation. Um, I do work by appointment only. And... um, you know, I love helping people get well.
0: It's it's very rewarding. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom, your personal story and um, everything that's going on. This seems to be a, a conversation that needs to continue. And um, I think if people want to get involved, um, we've given some good resources, go to some of those websites and maybe get involved and Um, It seems like some changes still need to happen so that people can get the care they need.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Connie. Take care of yourself. I know you're going to get a great massage with Linda. (laughs) Shout out to Linda. Yeah, hi, Linda. Yay. (laughs) All right, take care.